Hi. Welcome to this week's episode of Slice. I'm Dory, and this week what's on my mind is stereotypes. And today I'm speaking with Elliot, who is transitioning from female to male. I brought Elliot on because I want to talk about stereotypes and um, specifically some of the stereotypes that people just have a really hard time understanding and accepting and and being open to. Well, this topic feels important to me because one of the things that happens with stereotyping is that people apply information to someone or something or to a situation without really knowing the facts, without really knowing what is true. And that is what we call ignorance. Ignorance is a place that also breeds anger, resentment, fear, violence. You know, like it's happening a lot right now in our world. One of the categories that falls into stereotypes is the transgender movement. And today, that's what I want to talk about, the transgender movement and the transgender experience. I want to talk about what somebody might be going through when they're going through the process on the emotional side and the physical side, and also a little bit about just how how it is in the world like how do you how do you discuss these topics how do you talk to people what somebody might be going through that is transitioning or considering going through a transition or someone who doesn't feel like they're in the right body, that they feel like they're a boy and they're meant to be a girl, or they're a girl and they're meant to be a boy, and that struggle and how difficult that is. And what I'd like to do is get curious with Elliot, with my guest, and discover some of the things that we don't know about. And, you know, I'm I'm super open and have always been very open um, my whole life, one of the things I'm finding as time goes on and different generations come is that even when you're open and you kind of think you know something or you know how to talk about something or you know information or you don't have judgment, the language changes. The way we perceive things changes. The information changes. Even the people who are experiencing what we thought we knew they were experiencing are now experiencing different things. And one, no matter how open you are, we have to continue to stay open and we have to continue to ask questions and we can't just, you know, just say the same words that we used to know when addressing someone who is transgender or addressing someone that you're not sure or that may be undecided or decided by being undecided. So there's many names or the word is using, there's pronouns that are used to um, name, identify, or describe someone who's transgender or um, has a different way of identifying their gender than male or female. So Elliot and I actually did, we did the podcast a few months back back in August. Unfortunately, the sound, we had a sound problem and we had to trash that podcast, which is a bummer because there was so much in there. And it happened to be um, literally weeks after his top surgery. He started to explain to me about that process and about what it had felt like to, to have had that surgery and feel um, and how he felt in his body, how what what this experience was like, and that in the next few months he was going to start the hormone therapy, the hormone therapy. So it's taken us a few months now to maybe six months almost, I guess, or five months for us to get back to this and redo the conversation and also start from the place that we're at. That's where we're at right now. And, um, so now coming in five or six months later, he's already, 
he started the hormone therapy, one of the things that I would like to illuminate in this conversation is, one, I want to ask the questions that are hard to ask. I want to ask the questions that might seem stupid or ignorant, and I want some clarification. So I'm sure there's many people like me out there that don't um, don't understand things, don't know the language to use, you know, and want to understand. And I really believe that the biggest tool of acceptance is information. So I'd like to gather as much information as we can in this talk and, um, and hopefully other people can be armed with information and have more acceptance toward people who are transgender and also that you know there's a movement now a transgender movement you know a whole way that people are having the opportunity to really be who they want to be they don't feel like they're living in the right body they could change that you could really have the opportunity to like live this life and not suffer in pain and agony um and then have the life that you believe that you always were meant to have in this lifetime. What I'd like to do is introduce Elliot, have a conversation with him about it. So welcome, Elliot. Hi, how are you? Hello, I'm amazing. How are you? Good. Welcome. I'm so glad that we could finally do this again. Yeah, it feels really good to be able to be back and, and talk to you again, especially in putting into perspective how much has really happened over these past few months. Yeah. I, you know, I know it's like when we first talked, you had just had the surgery and, and you shared with me very openly just that process and, and how it was. And I, I, I know one of the questions I asked you was like, how, you know, does it feel different? Maybe we could start with, you know, does it feel different? And maybe you can share some of what, maybe you can share a little bit of your story. I would love to. Okay. <laughs> so um, with the surgery, uh, last time we talked, it was just a few weeks afterwards. So my movement was still a little um, limited and it was still a little painful and such. And now it, it's healed up, you know, I can exercise. And I think the most difficult part of it has been that my expectation for it was like, oh, I'll be out in the sun and like, I'll feel it on my chest and the wind on my chest and all these sensations. Whereas I actually don't feel anything because it, it's still numb oh, yeah. from the surgery. So really not feeling anything for these past few months has been, um, almost like feeling like I've lost something and my sensation is starting to come back now. So it's exciting to start to feel like I'm growing into something kind of like when you want a tree to grow taller and you cut off the bottom branches, the tree is probably like in pain, you know, like, Oh my God, it lost all that it knows, mm -hmm. but it's going to grow more and it's going to be higher and taller and, and beautiful. Right. And your voice, and I, your voice, man, is like totally <laughs> different. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's like you're yeah. amazing. Yeah, so I've been on testosterone um, injections, um, taking them subcutaneous, uh, similar to like a diabetes shot. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually inject it. It's 0.3 cc's every week. And in the beginning, I started to feel very angry. I was very angry <laughs> at a lot of things and... I wouldn't. I wanted to rebel, and it's literally like going through um, a second puberty, uh, wanting to be rebellious and like just shave all my hair and diet, get tattoos, and you know, just rebellious and not conform. And as I'm starting to calm down now, uh, this is, I believe, the seventh month. I started October second, six months on testosterone. Um, my voice has gotten fairly deep, and you have facial I, hair. yeah, I have uh, a little yeah. beard going on. <laughs> so that's um, that's really interesting. Um, I think something that I noticed now 
being perceived as male to strangers is I'm being treated differently. I find that a lot more girls kind of hit on me, um, which is interesting. And guys talk to me like a bro. They're like, hey, man, wasn't that funny the other day when so-and-so happened? And, you know, they'll talk to me. So it's, it's almost like I understand the subconscious of the male and the female now. Which is really cool. And I'm just walking about life as my own way. Yeah, so that's really cool. (laughs) So can you tell me, like, I want to hear more about this. And then, but I also Mm. want to give a little, I want to lay some groundwork here. Elliot's 19? I'm 20 now. Oh, you're 20. Yeah. So I want to lay some groundwork. (laughs) Elliot is 20 years old. So he had this top surgery when he was 19 years old. How old were you? When you knew that you were meant to be a boy, not a girl. I was probably about four years old. I knew very young that I was different. Um, I remember wanting to play outside with all my friends with my shirt off, like my brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted like the boy toys for Christmas. Just very, like I wanted to be around my dad all the time. And, you know, play football and basketball and all these masculine things that guys do. Um, My parents allowed me to, you know, wear basketball shorts and T-shirts growing up. And then as I started to get into middle school and high school, I was like, oh, I need to be like a girl. Like, that's what I am. (laughs) And so I forced myself to dress feminine, wear makeup. And... um, it was really difficult being like that and not understanding why I didn't feel right doing it because there wasn't really any information about transgender just out there. I found out about transgender when I was 15 years old, uh, 14 or 15, and I was reading an article um, about gender identity disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that just made the most sense because it was like scientific and it was an article and I was like, oh, this is legit. And so I came out to my mom and I told her that I felt like I was a boy inside. And she was like, okay, let's see what we got to do. And I started counseling. Um, In the state of Florida, you have to have three months of counseling to start testosterone and uh, six months of counseling to have your surgery. And honestly, the counseling is just kind of to make sure that, that you're safe, like going through this transition. A lot of us encounter a lot of suicidal tendencies and wanting to self-harm and it's it's really tough just being okay with yourself um being transgender you must have had a lot of struggle before you came to your mom with that right I mean did you or did it really was it really that simple for you just to go like and I feel I feel like I'm different. And then seeing that article and then talking to your mom about it. Um, I actually told my mom we were at the doctor's office and because I was very depressed. Um, and I didn't really know why. But after that, say, I knew can why. You describe, like, <laughs> can you describe the depression, like what you mean by it? Like, so if there's somebody listening that might identify with this or like, or also I wanted people to understand like it's what goes on. Like, you know, some, some people think that these decisions are like brash decisions. It's like, Hey, you know, like I want to be like a woman or now I want to be a guy. You go out and you do a surgery and like, they don't understand that years and years of process and a lot, like what you said, a lot of depression, a lot of suicidal yeah. tendencies, you know, like, and mostly, I mean, like from the therapist's point of view, the suicidal tendencies are like, you're told I can't be myself. To That's be exactly myself. how it felt. It felt as though I was like my, that my hair was blue my whole life, but everybody kept telling me that it was pink, but it was like, I know that it's blue. And the depression felt just kind of like a, a wandering, like I'm lost. Like I couldn't really find myself. And like even at school, um, you know, just trying to fit in, but I knew that it just didn't feel right. It was this feeling that I just felt like something was missing. There's something isn't right. I'm not normal. What's wrong with me? Then as I started to, you know, have girlfriend and things like that, I realized that I wanted to be like her boyfriend. Right. 
And I wanted to, you know, like, wear, like, button-up shirts and a tie and a tuxedo and cut my hair short. And it was just always, and, and like, even when I sought to be a girl, like, I was lost. Like, I couldn't figure out what it was. Then figuring out that it was possible to change my gender and live the life that I wanted that was more than just a lesbian, you know, like a woman with a woman, because it was more than just the sexuality. It was more than just wanting to be with a woman. It was that I felt like a man, like I... Right. And you know what? That's actually a really... Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you said that because that could be a place that you give me information on the identity, like who a person is, because we humans, you know, we we thrive on being able to identify something, which is why when we don't understand something and we don't, we can't identify with it, we're afraid of it, right? And that's what creates the negative reaction to the things that are unknown. This might be a great place if you could just plug in just the different identifications and, you know, the use of different pronouns. Also that just because you're transgender doesn't mean you're gay. So at least people can have an understanding of the right languaging and the right identification and hopefully seek more information about it without applying judgment to it. And then the other thing I want to say, and I know we spoke about this in the last podcast, how hard it is for other people outside to be able to like recognize you as that person. And like you're a female trans just transitioning into a male. And I know that when I first met you six months ago, we spoke about this. At that point you were looking you were you were still a female and you looked very much like a female. And it was very hard for me to call you a male, even though you identified as a male. We were talking about how hard it is. So like when people make these changes or identify differently just the struggle of like, how do you, one of making the shift out of habit, right? Because now this, uh, somebody is identifying as something else and you want to be respectful and mindful and of who they are and how they're identifying. And then you can make mistakes there. What's really interesting is speaking with you now, six months later, now that you're taking the testosterone and you're living as a man It's so different because now I really experience you as a man, like even on this side of it. So it is different and I wouldn't make that mistake now because I really see you as that man. So it's very interesting that outside experience as well. Yeah. Right? So so there's sexual identity, sexual identity, which is who you go to bed with, you know. And then there's your gender identity, and that's who you wake up in the morning as. Because I can be a female and date a female, and then I'm gay. I could be a female and date and date a male, and I would be straight. And then I can be a transgender man, which is what I identify as, which means I was born a female, and I've transitioned to identify as male and date a woman, and I would be considered straight. Whereas... I could date a man and I would be considered gay because my I my gender identity because gender is like what you identify as to the world like how the world sees you. So right. me now, you know, having a deep voice, facial hair, all the like a flat chest, that is when the world sees me they see man. Right. However, everything is always different on the inside. Like to love myself was to see myself as a man. And, you know, I've worked with some people that are like trying to figure out their sexuality. They're trying to decide if they're bisexual or if they're gay or if they're straight and having like needing experiences and, you know, and they're not quite sure. And it kind of sounds like what you're saying is that you could go be transgender and and change your gender identity, but then you almost kind of still go through that same exploration phase of not, maybe not everybody, but that it's totally would be common for you to go like, that's like, okay, now I'm a transgender male, but now I like women. Now I like men. Now I'm not totally sure. And then like, where do you land there? It's almost like the natural 
maybe a natural process of like that somebody else could have just if they're starting in the body they came here with. It doesn't yeah, because like people that I've noticed who are born, say, female and are very happy being a female, right. you know, and they still question like, man, you know, like. Susie that I work with is just so pretty. I don't know. You know, and, and they're just really wondering. And it's okay because it's like just because you may have those feelings or thoughts, you know, it's like maybe you just really appreciate them as a person. It doesn't matter. I know. That's what, that's true. Yeah. And I know, and, I know I've worked with a lot of people in my practice who have wondered if just because if they're attracted to the same sex sexually, does that mean they're gay? And have had to explore that part of them or have chosen to explore that part to, for that reason. And some have ended up yes and some have ended up no. Like it's just like what you're saying, like just a sexual experience or a sexual attraction. You can be very open sexually as well. Yeah, and it's really just a title, honesty, honestly, like a label to put on it. Like because, you know, it's like they just want to put a label on something so that they can understand it better because humans are just humans and whether or not we decide to be in a romantic relationship with a female or a male or a transgender or a non-binary individual because we all create a reality from within it's just love you know it's like once when, when I don't love myself reflections pop up for me where they're like and and the same goes for other people and even if they're wondering you know am I trans am I gay just seek inside of you and set aside what it means or what it looks like to be gay or transgender or non-binary, you know, because there's a lot of transgender people that identify as trans or the opposite gender and they never take the hormones. They never get surgery, you know, so it's like, you don't have to get the surgery. You don't have to do the hormones. You don't have to actually sleep with a woman or a man to be gay it's how you decide to live your life and authentically and what feels good. And for me, it feels good to play with my chin hair and, and have a deep voice. And but to the world, also, that is male. Well, I think you're kind of speaking into something deeper. It's you can do whatever you want and you can put yourself out there however you want, but you're the only one who knows who you are inside. And exactly. if you choose to, if you choose to show that that's like up to you, but that would be the most authentic stand. You know, Elliot, what was it like for you before you had that surgery? What was it like to be in a body that doesn't, I, you know, I'm trying to imagine or even make, uh, a connection and and you know I I can think of like being anxious and not being comfortable in my own skin or like you know kind of like you know having like a you know a day where you're just you're uncomfortable because your body just feels uncomfortable or like you know when I was pregnant and your body's just doing weird things and you can't control it and you know it's like where it feels like it's not your body anymore you know you're but what I can understand can imagine the pain and the confusion of if I was living like right now and not feeling I was like in the right body. And I really want people to understand how painful it was for you to be living in the wrong body and the process that you went through. Because if someone is listening and going through a similar experience that they can know that they're not alone and there's hope for them and hopefully they'll find encouragement in listening to you. Yeah, um, before I had my surgery, uh, I would wear something called the binder, which is a very tight uh, garment that's almost like a tank top without the belly. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a compression shirt that pushed my breast down so that I would appear flat. And it was very tight and difficult to breathe sometimes. My body was always very like tight and stiff. Um, 
And honestly, I just remember like sleeping with it and waking up in the morning, like almost like I had like the life squeezed out of me because it was so tight. And, but I didn't want to have these like things flopping around in my body while I was asleep. Like it just didn't feel right. So you slept, you slept with the binder on? Is it like Yeah, a- I would sleep with it. Even, um, even when you were alone? Like even yeah. when you were the only one that could see your body? Yeah. Um, when I had a partner, I was actually a lot more comfortable without a binder on, um, mainly because my partner at the time was very supportive. And, like, she just made me feel perfect and complete how I was. Um, and then once I was alone... Um, it sort of progressed. And as the time went on without my partner, I was very much in my head about it and how I just couldn't wait to have surgery. And I was like doing everything that I could. And even like when I would do yoga and just feel very uncomfortable because I knew people would see my binder underneath my shirt. And it wasn't completely flat. Like now that I know what it looks like to be completely flat, I remember it was like almost just like a puff on my chest, but it was a flat puff. And it just made me feel so good to have that flat puff underneath my shirt and and holding on to the fact that I knew that it wasn't going to be forever. But did you just feel like you just hated your body so much? Like that, I mean, that you... At the time, yeah. At the time, I I really did hate my body, and I was just like, you know, I can't do this. Um, But now looking back on it, I did a lot of work to love my body where it was at. It felt really good to just be comfortable, and it's like, okay, this is me. You know, even though I want to be a guy, like, this is me right now. When did you take the binder off? I wore it every day. Every day? Um, Every day, I even, like, took showers with it. And just, like, I didn't want to take it off because I knew that when I took it off that I would see something that I didn't want. Like, wearing it all the time just really sucked. And then, but when I found out that I was having surgery, um, I had taken it off about a week before surgery and just went without a binder for, like, a whole week. And it felt so good because <laughs> it was like I knew I was like, all right, by this time next week, they're going to be gone. And just keeping that in mind that like I'm going to be how it's going to be and that it's going to flow. Everything is going to be all right. Elliot, you're really young. And there can be an argument for, um, you know, making these big decisions at a young age. And as a parent, I could certainly present the argument that you know, of waiting, of having to wait until you're 18, even if, you know, even if I supported and completely believed in my child, just developmentally, that um, there would have to be, you know, a readiness. And there's an argument for that. And I know I've had arguments with people about this, about what they, you know, some people think that you know, if it's there, then, you know, why not? And they let their kids start on these hormone therapies very early or even suppress their um, puberty. I think each situation is unique. So it's hard to make a blanket statement, you know, of an overall. And there's always going to be that case that gets presented that, you know, they knew since they could speak And so I just supported it and everything turned out okay. And I started from, let them start from a very young age. Those are the good stories. But it is a big decision to make. It's a a big decision at any age. What do you think allowed you to have the confidence in making this decision so early on in your life? I was just so ready. Like I knew that before I got into my 20s that I wanted this done so that I could just you know, not have to worry about it anymore because I knew it was a possibility. The only thing standing in my way was money. I mean, like I came out when I was 15. And so for those five years, I, that's like all I was thinking about was getting this done and finally looking in in the mirror and like being comfortable. Like even when I got to the kitchen and do the dishes and I can have my shirt off, it's like, this feeling of like, I did that and I don't have to hide under this t-shirt anymore. Like that's how you feel now. 
Yeah, that's how I feel now. And just being grateful for it. I think a lot of the struggle now, honestly, is the mental changes of taking different hormones. Yeah, tell me about what it's like to take testosterone and also like what the changes are. Like what I could hear your <laughs> voice changing and I could see some facial hair. You know? Yeah. But what were um, you just the, what you were telling me about uh, the emotions, like watching them, like that's kind of interesting. Honestly, it's brought up a lot of uh, like similar feelings of depression. Um, being in this state where I like I can't cry at like the same movies that I watch, or like it's difficult to empathize with people, um, and like I just feel very logical and like okay, this is how it, it goes, like in a list order, um, which is very frustrating for me being an artist. Um, I find myself looking at my canvas sometimes and just feeling so empty. Like I don't know what to paint because I don't feel it. It's actually bringing up some emotions right now just because um, it's not what I was expecting switching to these hormones. Um, Physically, I feel very happy and satisfied um, with the physical changes. Right. So like you're liking the change into a man. And struggling because there's a lot of unexpected parts that are coming with it. Like emotionally and uh, mentally. Uh, Really just like not being able to feel. Like, um, and with my artwork. Are you um, saying that men generally can't feel? (laughs) You know, it's it's really funny. You're going to have an audience. You'll You'll have an audience just with that statement. But that's also, that's also a stereotype. (laughs) exactly yeah it it is a stereotype (laughs) of like oh men can't feel they just need the numbers like they can't cry and it it's honestly it feels true (laughs) it feels true um wait but what do you mean because first off that's not true it is stereo I mean it's a stereotype but (laughs) so looking at it as masculine and feminine energy um everybody has it within them and literally injecting my body with testosterone which is a masculine energy I feel it shifting out the feminine energy which is nurturing and compassionate and caring and loving whereas the masculine energy is like a driving force it's passion it's fire it's mechanics it's um like straight lines and feminine energy is like colors and um imagination right and so switching from this base feminine energy which is nurturing and compassionate and colorful and wild to this straight line geometric like aura and energy it feels very internally combative um like i feel like i'm fighting myself all the time inside because for the past 20 years, you know, I've been the feminine, you know, like free and loving and caring and la 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 to now like finding a focus and finding that balance because my personal goal for my life is to create that harmonious balance of masculine and feminine energy where it's on a dime, you know, where at any second I can recognize where the feminine energy is is necessary and shift into that. And at any, any moment, I can recognize the masculine energy is needed and shift into that, depending on the experience and the situation. So now that you've had the top surgery and you're on the hormones, are you going to have the bottom surgery? I don't think so, no. Okay. Um, it's It's not really developed yet. I mean, uh, they have... Some people have great results and they love it and, you know, it's, they're happy and satisfied. But for me, medically, I, I, it's not what I want. Maybe if they create something more realistic in the future that doesn't have as many possible complications. Right. A lot of people have complications with that surgery where, like, they can't pee ever without a bag or, right. um, or it just doesn't work. <laughs> um, you feel satisfied now? as like a man and in this I feel satisfied as Elliot because I'm not a man even though I, I identify as that I'm not 
And it's like being okay with that and just being okay with like, I can be presented as masculine and man and be fine, you know, but I love that I was born a female. I love that I'm able to tap into that empathy and compassion and be there for people who need that masculine support. But a lot of the times masculine support is very like pat on the back, like you're fine. Whereas I can tap into that nurturing aspect and still be a supportive man. So it's like, I don't know, honestly, I really love just being transgender like being able to tap into both energies of the masculine and the feminine and be that space for people. Do you think that the, um, we're, we're kind of talking about the transgender movement, which I want to talk a little bit more about, but I also think like, do you think, I don't know, it almost sounds like being transgender is the identity. Like you're not, it's not even like a transgender man or a transgender woman. It's almost like from what you're saying, transgender is the identity almost. Because you're saying like, I'm not a man, but then I guess if I'm ignorant about it, I would think, but aren't you trying to be a man? Like, aren't you doing all of this to be a man and like live as a man? And so I get a little bit confused when you say that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you're being artistic about it or if you're just like kind of like... I'm being artistic about it. Okay, because I need... Um, Okay, so I think... Because a lot of people who do identify as transgender, you know, it's like they are who they say they are. Just like, it's like you are who you say you are. Being transgender, they want to be that gender and they are. Honestly, with me, I feel like I'm falling under the non-binary spectrum, which is... Explain that to me. Um, They actually have it in certain states. I think in Canada, um, it's your gender marker is just an X, which is, you know, it's like it's a free expression of gender because in reality, gender is just a conditioning that the collective has placed on human beings. So it's like male is trucks, like trucks, uh, certain clothes, uh, getting dirty, fixing things, um, being a leader, uh, you know, all the like main things that people perceive as male. And then female is like a nurse, um, a mother, um, uh, an artist, a dancer, you know, all these creative things. What the transgender movement really is, is us breaking those conditionings and those stereotypes of what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman or what it means to be a doctor or a a mechanic. Um, Because there's like some mechanics that I know and they go home and paint their nails. (laughs) Like, does that make them a woman because they paint their nails? Like what even makes somebody a man or a woman? What is the difference? Most people would define it as what you're born as, right? What your gender that you're born as makes you... Like you're born a girl, you're a girl, you're born a boy, you're a boy. You know, and then there's feminine and masculine qualities. So it is true. I agree that it's true. Like, you know, that men could be feminine, women could be masculine. It's a different thing to identify as a man or a woman if that's not your gender origin. Yeah, that would be a difference of then sex and gender. Yeah, because like my sex would be female. My gender is male because like... But if your um, sex is female and your gender is male, oh, and then your sexual identity is who you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. I get it. That's why some people... That's um, so complicated. <laughs> See, and here's the thing that's hard. Yeah. Here's the thing that's hard for, like, people like me that are open and want to understand and be, uh, you know, conscientious. It, it's hard to you have to have a name for it or an identity about it because we all have the tendency to want to identify why, you know, stereotypes are put in place in the first place, right? Because we want to, we have to identify something in some way. And especially if there's something unknown, we want to go, what is that? Why is that? Like, what is that? You know, and we ask those questions. 
you know, we want the answer to those questions. So if it's, if it's too fluid, then it becomes like really confusing, right? And it's kind of like, it can't really be that fluid because if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to get bashed for it, right? Like I'm going to get nailed by my 14 year old. That situation is, is I see is different of if somebody is bashing you because say you say the wrong pronoun, right? Okay. Like, I look male, right? And then say you say, oh, he, and then I get mad at you. That's on me. That's not on you. And you seeking to say the right thing, um, that would just come in as a question format. Like, what pronouns do you prefer? Can you please explain to me the definition of pronouns and what the pronouns are? If you're curious and you want to be polite, and you want to try to be, you know, PC, like what, how do you use it? Or how do you ask the questions? Honestly, there's one question. And that would be, what pronouns do you prefer? Because that really just opens up the conversation of, hey, I'm aware that you may not um, fit average looking female or male. Um, because that happens, you know, <laughs> that's why this conversation even exists. Um, and so what pronouns do you prefer? And then that conversation go, oh, thank you so much for asking. It's he, him, because I prefer he, him pronouns. And then there's also she, her, like female pronouns. And then there's they, them. And that's for um, non-binary individuals, you know, who are fluid who flow in between where one day they may dress as a female, one day they may dress as a male. These people do exist and some of them even do get top surgery and still Wait, so flow. Is it, is it they or them? That would, do they, consider- they them would be replaced with he or she. So like, yeah, they're going to get their car washed today or, Oh, have you heard from them yet today? It's, it's a very broad, um, term that it's way and then if they say okay who then you just say their name it's complicated it is a little complicated you feel like you're saying the wrong thing okay so if you're them or they there's this idea that you can be gender fluid and that just means that sometimes you're identifying as female and sometimes you're identifying as a male mm-hmm. right or neither which is a lot to um, and that's your them or digest. They? Yeah, they them. Um, sometimes they don't identify as either. Um, like I know some people who have a beard and like are super buff and they wear dresses, yet they were born female. <laughs> so it's wait, how's um, that possible? Oh, like so like they're they're, they're born female. They transitioned onto hormones and had surgery, similar to myself, okay. and then they wear female clothes. And they go by they, them. Um, and, yeah, that's really just a general term, um, not wanting to conform to um, an identity. Um, but is that, like, a weird rebellious thing inside the transgender world? <laughs> or is that, like, is that really something? Because, I mean, I know it's something, but I go, like, when you say you don't want, they don't want to conform, I just go like, well, now there's a new rebellion inside that world. Right. I can definitely see that as being a rebellion. Um, but the ones that I have met, I feel have genuinely found a balance between those two energies and neither of them feel right. Like there's just this section in between where they don't really fall on either side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I mean, in the future, that term may be uh, shifted from they and them. Um, Hopefully, for my sake. <laughs> right, because, I mean, this movement is happening so quickly. I know. And so, like, how do we even identify what it, it is a movement? Is it, like... I mean, are we saying that the acceptance of transgender people is a movement? Or are you saying that, like, I mean, it's not like you're collectively trying to make people more transgender. So it's like, what 
what is the idea of the movement? I honestly, I feel like it's just showing that the world that we exist and that, you know, we're people too, because there's so much, so much hate and violence to this community. Like some of the people that I meet, you know, it's like even from their families where their parents just like beat them and kick them out of the house because there aren't what they wanted. Um, and so I see this as a movement as we're just the face of it, but we're the face for everyone else who are unaccepted as who they are. And so it's almost like an acceptance movement and the transgender world is a part of that movement. Yeah, because we're breaking this, uh, what would it be called? This um, like society that has been created under male privilege where, you know, it's like the white man is like the main leader and whoever isn't like them or aren't what they say leaves. And this has been a deep-rooted issue. You know, it's not just like the past 20 years or something. You know, it's it's like it's an issue where – Whenever there has been a movement, like the women's movement, the the black rights movement, it has been up against, like, society. And I'm not saying, like, all white people are bad or this is, like, reverse racism or something, because that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. But it seems to some of the problem is because, you know, like, they're in charge of the laws and stuff. And from what I've seen, those are the, the people that aren't accepting of it. And... um a lot of men in society feel like their um, masculinity is being tested. And it also is providing space for what we call cisgender um, men, which would be like men who are born as men and, and still identify as men, to be able to like tap into their femininity and their their nurturing, compassionate side, as well as for women to tap into their powerful, passionate side. If that makes sense. Yeah. So that's the value of information. When you have information on something, it's and the truth about something, it's very hard to judge it, right? And when you see that whatever stereotypes or stories or belief systems you put up to somebody you know, Jewish, white, Mexican, transgender, gay, straight, you know, short, tall, you know, whatever, you know, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. It's like, I mean, honestly, if you put any judgment up to them at all or any ideas on them, you're, it's racist. You know, it's like, it's Mm. no matter what, unless you know the truth about them. Like even the old saying of like, walk a mile in someone's shoes before you make a judgment. And I really believe that like we fall short as humans um, in general, whatever race you are, whatever, whatever you are, like whoever you are, when we don't look at the individual and we don't ask the questions and we don't get curious about what we see and we don't have the courage to ask the questions so we can be informed. And I do believe that like once you're informed, you can make a decision, but you can still only make a decision about that one person. You can't make a decision about an entire culture around it. Like, you know, like if somebody has an experience with one transgender person and, you know, whatever that is, they, they cannot make a blanket statement about transgenders or um, a black person or a Jewish person or a woman or, you know, whatever it is, you can't say, oh, all women are like that. Or like, even when we start talking about when you said like, now I understand why men don't have feelings or they don't, you know, have this testosterone or they're, they're numb. It's like, you know, and I, I, you know, we could reference it because we use those references as points of detail that we could all identify with. Right. But the truth is, is like, we really can't say that either. Right. Because if you line a lot of men up, they you'll see that a lot of them do have emotions and they are in touch with their feelings. I like the idea of a, a, a movement of acceptance and about cu- getting curious and that's and asking questions. Let your ignorance turn to curiosity, you know? Mm, that's and, beautiful. And from that place, I just think it's really hard to make a judgment. 
you can only see what's really there. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so the last thing I want to ask you, Elliot, is what do you think gave you the strength and the courage to come out at such a young age, to come out at a young age, read this article, and know that that's you, and then to say, like, that's what I'm doing, and then to do it. You know, like, what do you attribute to that? Because there's probably a lot of kids out there, or people, adults, there's probably a lot of people out there that are, like you said, like, they're not being accepted. And they <clears throat> they don't feel accepted. And for whatever they are, for whoever they are, whatever's going on, maybe in their home, maybe in their workplace, maybe in their community. And there's probably people getting beaten up and hurt. I mean, we know this. We know this from the news on like a global sense. Like people are getting hurt because they're not right by somebody's societal norm of what they think and somebody's own ignorance. And what do you say to them? And what do you and, and what did you have that enabled you to do this and that you're not 20 years old right now talking to me and saying, I don't even have the courage to come out or I'm just coming out or I would never, I'd love to live as a man, but I'm, I don't know if I'll ever have the courage to do it. Like that's, I just think that takes a lot of courage and confidence. So what do you attribute that to? Um, I thought about it as you were asking me, I was like, wow, you know, what, what really was it? And first what came up was my mom. I really love my mom, but really it's, I didn't want to live a lie. Like I, I, I just, the thought of living a lie or going through trials and tribulations to be who I am, mm -hmm. I would do all that just to feel comfortable as who I am rather than lying to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to be honest with myself and at the time, it didn't feel difficult, I think, just because I was very rebellious and it's like, you know what, I can be who I want and live my life as I choose. And that's how it ended up. And look <laughs> and at you now. You know, like, I mean, I, I could have been anybody else. There's so many things where people have to, are put into situations where they're kind of like coming out whether it's the type of relationship that they have or the kind of job that they want or the person that they love or how they identify. Well, yeah, um, and one of the things I love about what you just said is like, you know, because, you know, like my mission is to inspire people to be their most authentic self, right, and live in their own truth and live in integrity and... So I love what you said when you just said, like, I don't want to live a lie, you know, and that takes a lot of courage because we often think it's easier to live the lie than it is to be who we are. And, and then we get, we create some facade and then that facade is out there and it's getting judged and ridiculed and put down and, you know, and it's, it's not, it's backed behind someone who's scared and not being authentic and then it's so unsatisfying people are unhappy when they're in that place and you know when you choose not to live a lie and you're right it doesn't matter if it's transgender or gay or straight it could just be like oh my god I'm a banker and I always wanted to be an architect it could be like you know like I've been married and I only got married because I wanted to move out of my house when I was 16 or 18 or, 18 or whatever or I just thought the right thing was to, you know, become a doctor and get married and have children. But, like, I never wanted to do that. I just thought it was the right thing. You know, like, people are living lies all over the place. Right? They're just... Yeah, the only it has difference. a lot to do with trusting yourself. Yeah. And, you know, the only difference is that, you know, it's like they don't get outed in those lies because they're living lies that are really acceptable. And I just think that's why you don't get outed there. And I think like it's almost like it's a painful path to go for the path of acceptance over the path of authenticity. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Is there anything else you want to add to this as we wrap up or 
Just love yourself completely and entirely where you are now. What about to some of the young people out there that might be struggling with this? Don't give up. Even though it's really, really hard, and even though you're sweating under your binder and you just want to rip that thing off, (laughs) or even if you just don't even know, just take a minute, breathe, be thankful for something, and know that this too shall pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elliot. That was awesome. On that note, thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you today. And I'm so glad that your transition is going well and you're healing. And and we'll be talking to you soon. Stay tuned for Afterthoughts. All right. Bye for now. Ciao. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dory. You're welcome. That was so nice talking to Elliot. He is so sweet, so kind, and I really appreciate his honesty and openness. This has not been an easy path for him. Uh, When I first met him, he had just had his top surgery. The pain was much closer to him of what it was like to be living in the wrong body. And even hearing him go through some of the struggles now, six months later, he's so much more content with who he is and how his body looks and how his body feels. And, you know, and now just dealing with some of the other nuances that come with it or, um, and some of the bigger changes of living more as a man in that way, or as he says, like just as Elliot ignorance to me is the ultimate sign of somebody who doesn't accept themselves. It's the ultimate sign of not being able to self-evaluate, to self-reflect, to accept our limitations, to accept our faults, our inadequacies, our, our failures, our struggles. And no one, no one deserves to be treated less than because they're different than somebody's idealized idea of what is normal, what is okay. What I would hope from this episode is not just some to be more informed about transgender people or understanding just about a stereotype but it would be to understand that how important it is and valuable it is to just see people as people and just each person as an individual. That doesn't mean you can't have your own opinion about something. It just means that you can hold that opinion from a loving place. You can, hold, you can be in position with your own opinion, your own thoughts, your own insecurities, your own judgments from a loving place. And you can say, that's different. I'm uncomfortable with that. I don't understand it. I don't even know if I want to understand it. And that's just who that person is and or that situation. And I don't need to be a part of it if I'm that uncomfortable. And that's just who that person is without judgment. If you have the judgment and you can't shake it, then you have two choices. You can ask questions and seek information, or you can just say to yourself, which is in from a mindful, loving place of like, wow, I have judgment around this. I have a hard time accepting this. I don't even want to accept it. I find it really strange. And that's about me. That's about me and my beliefs and my own struggles and how I have been shaped by society, by my family, 
by my environment, by, by social standards. And I don't have the right to make a judgment about whether or not it's right or wrong, good or bad. It's okay that it doesn't work for me, right? So there's a way that you can come from, you could have your judgment without it being put on somebody else. And that the judgment is a reflection of a limitation inside yourself to accept that something different is okay and something you don't accept is okay. It doesn't mean it's bad in the world. It just is different. And that can come with, you know, anything that has a prejudice, anything that creates a lack of acceptance. I mentioned that it's a painful path, the path of acceptance instead of authenticity. And it leads us in places where we want to be, where when we're striving for acceptance, we're making a lot of times often, or oftentimes we're making decisions for the wrong reasons, not out of something from our heart space, not out of authenticity. And the you that you are, and only you know who that is, is perfectly acceptable. When you make choices and take actions that go against the you who you are, you create resistance and distance from your very being. And it's from that place Every time you do that, it's like putting a spacer between you and yourself, your life and you. Every choice like that creates a spacer. And then what happens is that you that you've created out in the world for acceptance has to live its own identity and has its own set of rules. And all the things that come into your life, good, bad, indifferent, have to be filtered through that other you, the you you present, you know, this the facade, before it could filter down into the you that you know who you are. And if there's too many spacers there, you might not even get it filtered down. So if you find yourself out there with a judgment about someone because they're different, they don't match your belief system, they think differently, they act differently, they look differently, they're the wrong color, the wrong religion, um, they dress the wrong way, they have too much money, they have no money, stop and take a breath and ask yourself, who's judging that person? Is it the person that you've created? How many spacers away from you, the real you? Or is it the you that thinks that way? And then take another step and ask yourself, what about yourself are you not accepting? What about who you are are you not accepting? I mean, that can be from something simple to something big something small like a man who really likes pink but doesn't think it's masculine enough and doesn't wear it, but it's his favorite color, to a woman who has been told that she's supposed to be successful, career-oriented, be an executive, and all she wants to do is be a mom and a wife. It doesn't matter what you come up with. I just ask that you get curious about yourself. Get curious in the space, in those spacers. Get curious about how many spacers there are between the you that you are inside, the you that you know, usually the you that holds all your dreams and desires, to the you that you are in the world. And how much of you in the world is acting on acceptance? And there's no judgment about it. 
You get curious and inform yourself, ask questions. And when those judgments come up, look inside yourself and try to get to the you inside of yourself and ask questions, ask questions, (laughs) ask questions, ask questions. I can't say it enough. Get information. Ignorance and judgment can only exist in a non-informed space. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Slice. Bye for now. Ciao.